Welcome to the ASHP official podcast, your guide to issues related to medication use, public health, and the profession of pharmacy. Thanks for joining us in this episode of Student Perspectives, the podcast where we talk with student pharmacists about their unique challenges and opportunities presented throughout their professional journey. My name is Diana Doan, and I am a third-year student pharmacist from Auburn University, Harrison College of Pharmacy, and a member of the ASHP Pharmacy Student Forum, Student Society Development Advisory Group. My name is Damon Alvarez, third-year student pharmacist from the University of New Mexico College of Pharmacy, and a member of ASHP's Advancement of Professional Practice Advisory Group, and I'm pleased to welcome Erica Mosley. Thanks for being here with us today. As you served on the ASHP DEI task force, we would love to hear about your experiences as a leader in this initiative and learn about ways that we as students can continue propelling this change. Tell me a little bit about yourself. Thank you, Diana and Damon. Sure, so I have been working in the human resources profession for over a decade, and I have experience in various HR functions such as talent acquisition, learning and development, diversity and inclusion, and workforce data and analytics. My reason for wanting to pursue opportunities in HR were based on personal experiences early on in my professional career. I was intentional about seeking out a position in HR because I had worked in smaller organizations where HR was a department of one, and that person was typically the CEO's executive assistant or office manager. So there wasn't a lot of transparency or communication to employees about decisions that were made. I have a very curious and inquisitive nature, so I always wanted to know how employee-related decisions were being made and how employment law was factored in and what my rights were as an employee. So once I started working in my first HR role, I realized in a short period of time how complex and multifaceted the world of HR could be. So I knew I would be faced with situations that would challenge me, inspire me, and force me to manage polarities rather than just trying to solve a problem with an either or right or wrong solution. I also had a feeling that I would never get bored and that this field would enable me to learn something new every day. And I have not been proven wrong yet. So (laughs) um, I guess that was a good uh, way to, to kind of think about what my future would hold in this profession. I would also describe myself as someone who has always felt compelled to speak up and ask questions when I witnessed something that I feel is unethical, unbiased, or just flat out wrong. I feel like being an advocate is just an innate quality of mine. So in pretty much any environment where humans are interacting, work, school, wherever, there are countless situations that can surface where ethics and bias can be called into question simply because of human behavior, right? So whether intentional or unintentional, these are things that can and will happen. So, you know, If you are comfortable speaking up, you know, you should certainly do that. And and I feel like I'm that person. So I feel like being in HR kind of really enables me to raise my voice when I feel like it's needed. Fairness and equity are also very high on my personal values list. So when I went into the HR profession, knowing that when I had the opportunity to speak up and, you know, share my perspective, it would be fulfilling for me both professionally and personally. Thank you for sharing that. I want to transition now to asking you a, a little bit more pointed of a question. So what does DEI mean to you specifically? 
Sure. So first I'll, I'll just break down each element. So diversity, just really about recognizing, respecting, and embracing all of our different identities, perspectives, and lived experiences. Equity is really about uh, impartiality, fairness, justice, and really ensuring that access to or distribution of resources are according to need, and that there is a clear understanding and acknowledgement of the fact that everyone has different needs. So equal distribution of resources doesn't make them equitable. So just making that clear uh, distinction between equality and equity that people kind of use interchangeably. Inclusion, just really demonstrating those behaviors where everyone feels like their voice is heard and we are all encouraged just to show up as our authentic selves because quite often the culmination of our unique identities is what can make the outcome of something be like it can go from just like sufficient to extraordinary. So we should really always want to be inclusive because things can just kind of go to the next level. I also believe that when you are are fully honoring the concepts of DNI, you are being thoughtful and intentional about your approach with pretty much everything. You're leading with an open mindset. You're curious about different perspectives because you know that it adds value. And you're able to highlight areas where you have unconscious bias and just ultimately enhance your awareness overall. I also think the sincere promotion and presence of DEI principles in the workplace encourages people to be present, show up authentically, and really creates an element of psychological safety that is necessary for individuals to perform well and be productive because they're not worried about trying to fit in or gain approval. They can just let their guards down and be their authentic selves. Thank you. I know you touched on this a little bit in your introduction, um, but I wanted to ask, how did you get involved in DEI? So DEI has always been something that surfaced throughout my HR career. And in my experience, certain aspects of it received more attention than others. For instance, diversity would kind of always surface when talking about recruitment and hiring practices. And then equity would surface when it came to compensation, making sure that there were equitable practices in terms of paying people. But these topics typically surface when there were conversations around auditing and making sure that we were, there weren't any like major disparities that we would need to address. And if there were, we would address the situation at hand, but not necessarily the systemic issues that were the root cause of those problems. So prior to the summer of 2020, I had worked at companies where DEI was something that leadership wanted to begin strategizing, but it was also something that could be quickly set aside for another strategic priority. And then, you know, we would pick it up again when there was, quote unquote, more time to devote to it. So oftentimes we would experience some minimal strides and feel like things were finally going to take off only to have it placed on hold again. And like any progress that we would have potentially made was like almost, if not completely lost. So in the summer of 2020, um, I'm sure everyone remembers, um, DEI was no longer something that could be put on a shelf. It was a part of a movement that that demanded attention and permanent placement on businesses, strategic um, business plans or strategic plans. And so dealing with all the emotion and the pain and the frustration and hurt that was amplified all in the middle of a pandemic, I knew that I had to be and I wanted to be a part of the call to action to implement this important work. 
as a Black woman in corporate America, in the HR field, I had to put on a very brave face. I had to console and counsel colleagues, while internally I was also struggling and grieving and, and trying to figure out how I could influence real change in my position. So after, I feel like, endless conversations, um, they were very raw and filtered on topics around race, ethnicity, gender, unconscious bias, discrimination, microaggressions, um, you name it, we, we talked about it. It was truly an awakening for me and so many others in the HR profession who shared similar experiences. We, we talked about, you know, being told, you know, you're overthinking a situation or you're being too sensitive or always assume positive intent. And these are things that we have been told for so long that we believe them. So these conversations really made me realize that my experiences were validated, but it also saddened me that others who may not have the same strength or perseverance or confidence that I've developed over the years, that they have been deeply impacted by people who may have said those things to them and maybe have been dissuaded from pursuing an opportunity they were highly qualified for because they received some negative feedback that was based in bias. So with all of that, you know, I was inspired before, but I really felt empowered after that. Like I had the passion and the drive in me to take on this critical work and I would not be deterred. This was also deeply personal for me um, because I've been in situations where I felt like I've been overlooked or didn't receive what I deserve, even though I had the education, years of experience, certifications, and credentials. I felt that if I could prevent even one person from experiencing what I have felt in those moments, it would just be so rewarding and so fulfilling. So ultimately, you know, experiencing all of this really helped me ramp up my job search in late 2020 and early 2021 because I felt a strong desire to join an organization that was truly ready to take action and not just release public uh, declarations and statements because the world was watching. When I came across the job description for my role here at ASHP, I felt like the responsibilities aligned with my experience and appeared to incorporate the work that I wanted to dig deeper into at this point in my career, so I applied. However, the interview process is what really made me want this role and really wanted to be a part of this organization. When I received an email with the details about the interview process, I learned that I would have to prepare a brief presentation on how I would execute the goals identified in ASHP's internal DEI strategic plan and also be prepared to answer questions about my approach. So when I realized the intentionality they put into the interview process to ensure they hired someone who was not only qualified, but also committed to carrying out the initial goals they had identified for their plan, I said to myself, this is what you've been looking for. This is where you can make an impact. So I interviewed and gave my presentation and I ultimately was hired in May, 2021. Wow, thank you so much for sharing your personal stories and journey in DEI with us. Speaking of your work in DEI, in your experience, what are some of the most effective approaches to successful implementation of DEI in organizations? That's a really great question. I feel like I, I've seen quite a bit, but I'll just highlight a few for you. I would say the organizations who invest in 
the time and resources to really assess their current state so that they can clearly define what DEI means for their business, for their employees, for their work culture. And so they can get to that place where they want to be and realize that this work is ongoing. It's a continuous journey. So the organization to identify and publish clearly defined goals can hold themselves accountable are, are highly effective. Another type of organization that is successful is one that is intentional and explicit in their approach. And they also welcome diverse and broad thinking. Um, it shows that they are receptive to new ideas, and more importantly, that they're open to hearing different perspectives. Organizations who set boundaries or are not fully transparent with their employees or stakeholders, public, it ultimately leads to trust issues. And when that trust is broken, whatever is being implemented may feel performative or inauthentic, and that's very difficult to recover from. Workforce and data analytics are also uh, something that works well in organizations who implement these initiatives effectively because using the data they're able to tell an objective story about the organization's past and present and then they can ultimately uh, use this data to influence how they want to move forward in the future and one last thing i will say is leaders who recognize and, and clearly articulate on a consistent basis that everyone in the organization plays a critical role in its infrastructure and that they are they are valuable and that everyone has a part to play everyone has a role to play you know this work can't be done in silos or, or pockets in the organization the leaders who can articulate to their employees that it's important for them to understand where they fit within the organizational structure and know that what they do or don't do has an impact so just that transparency, open communication, I think really helps with the successful implementation of DEI initiatives and strategy. Those are great ideas of ways to implement and nurture DEI successfully in local organizations. Going off of that, how can those approaches be extrapolated to schools or colleges of pharmacy? Universities, institutions, I mean, they are the ultimate learning environment. So I think promoting a curious mindset and, and leading with an open mind when faced with diverse perspectives is something that could be done without too much effort. Uh, really encouraging these behaviors can, can help increase uh, an individual's tolerance and they are more receptive to ideas or situations that others may put out there um, that they would have previously been opposed to simply out of fear or unconscious bias. I would also say demonstrating inclusive behaviors and, and putting into action what it means to be inclusive. One way that I think is pretty common in universities is to post like a calendar, a religious or cultural observances calendar that, that is inclusive. It's like an inclusive scheduling webpage to raise awareness about the different religious and cultural observances within the university's community because it's so important that we honor and recognize all the differences in our communities. So I think that's just one action that could have a, a big impact because it can raise awareness and, and hopefully important events will not be scheduled on the dates of significance for a variety of students.
I also think that accountability is a major factor. So when everyone sees themselves as being responsible for the solution or, or for implementing this work, I think that that plays a key role in the success. DEI just can't be like assigned to a particular department or affinity group or club. Everyone has to get involved. And the last thing that I want to highlight and really emphasize is that Whatever your approach is, it needs to be unique to your setting, right? There are so many best practices out there. Um, there are so many different things you can research online that other universities have done, but you really need to focus on what aligns with your school or college of pharmacy's culture and values um, and really just kind of go from there. This isn't a one-size-fits-all approach. Experimenting to identify what works or what doesn't uh, may be necessary. Um, not everything's going to be successful. There may be some missteps along the way, but that's okay. Um, it's just important that you acknowledge it, learn from it, and determine how to move better the next time. What are some resources from ASHP that students societies can use to incorporate DEI on a local level? First, I would recommend reviewing ASHP's Task Force on Racial Diversity, Equity, and Inclusion, the initial report. Just really taking some time to familiarize yourself with that. And the report includes very specific and actionable and sustainable steps that the task force recommended to ASHP um, to address the inequities in the overall profession of pharmacy. And the recommendations outlined in this report could potentially inspire or influence some actions on a, on a smaller scale within your student society. So I think that's a great starting point just to see what their findings were and what their recommendations were. And, and perhaps you can either you know, think about how you can implement them at your institution or uh, how you can support the efforts or participate in some of the initiatives that come out of the task force report. I also want to highlight a few of the initiatives and, and resources that recently launched as a result of the task force recommendations. So ASHP's guided mentorship program, the pilot cohort launched in the fall of last year and just wrapped up in March. So the guided mentorship program is a six month program designed to connect students, um, student pharmacists with experienced practitioners in a one-on-one -on -one mentor mentee relationship. The program is structured, so it's different. If you're, from, if you're familiar with Mentor Match, it's, it's a really different type of program. It really aims to strengthen the pharmacy workforce by supporting the development of a diverse pipeline of new pharmacy practitioner leaders. There are various resources and recommended touch points between the mentor and, and mentee that are provided throughout the program. And you should stay tuned for the announcement of uh, the next cohort, which will likely be in the fall of 2022. And we certainly encourage all that who are interested to apply. Uh, the next resource I want to point out is ASHP's Inclusion Center. It's a web page. You can find it listed under ASHP's Resource Centers. This site really uh, showcases a vast collection of resources to help the pharmacy profession provide uh, with resources, just a diverse array of resources that address health disparities and just a number of different topics um, that are DEI related. It's really an 
invaluable resource and it was published last fall. So if you haven't had a chance to check that out, I highly, highly recommend that. And then the last couple of things I wanted to highlight are um, ASHP's DEI podcast series. And we also have available a seven-part DEI webinar series called Transforming Awareness into Action. Hopefully you've had an opportunity to look at it, but if not, they are on demand and you can access them anytime. It would be great if you could bring together students who are interested and in, in maybe listening to the podcast or watching the webinar and then coming together to discuss your thoughts, um, promote knowledge sharing or share personal experiences and reflections. Uh, you, you could brand, you know, the club or, or the gathering as, you know, coffees and combos, snack and chat, lunch and learn, you know, get creative and do something that will engage your fellow students and uh, really keep the conversation going because they have a lot of great topics and things that, you know, you may be aware of, but maybe haven't spent a lot, a lot of time of talking to people outside of your, you know, your core circle. So it'd be great to just have these discussions on a broader scale and um, learn about new perspectives. Thank you for sharing those resources with us, and I'm confident that they will serve our listeners well. On a different topic, what's the most challenging part of implementing DEI? Another great question. Oh, gosh. Okay. So on a personal note, I, I would say that the work can be tough because it's pretty isolating and also very polarizing. Quite often, people are under the assumption that there is a plain and simple right or wrong answer, when in actuality, this work is very complex, and you have to be up for the challenges that are likely ahead, and don't lose sight of your goals and objectives. Um, you made them for a reason, so stick with them. I have to remind myself of that in, when I'm experiencing those tough times, so that's really important. You may also encounter people who have a fear of saying something that might not be well received or offensive, which leaves them afraid to say anything, like they just won't say anything on the topic, uh, maybe not even acknowledge it. And they're not realizing that not saying anything, just staying silent is often sometimes worse than saying what they may perceive as the quote unquote wrong thing. So there are some challenges there. Another challenge is that as humans, we have a real fear and aversion to loss. Self-preservation is a, a common reaction. And if there's a misperception that, let's take equity for instance. So if there's a misperception that someone being allocated additional resources because they need them, there's someone else who may already have access to those resources who feel like something is being taken away from them. So that can be problematic in this situation because people are feel like, well, if you gain, then I'm losing, when in actuality, we're just trying to spread things out so that we all have an equal piece of the pie. So those are things that can be pretty challenging. Another thing is like people, I think I mentioned this before, people think there's an endpoint. However, you know, this work is ongoing. It's a continuous journey. And once you've kind of reached the point where you're able to sustain something, it's important to figure out how you can enhance it, how you're going to evolve it. You know, it takes a considerable amount of time and effort, and you have to be open to learning from and reflecting on what didn't work. That takes humility, it takes vulnerability, um, it takes honesty, and that can be uncomfortable for some people to deal with. 
but no one said this would be easy. So <laughs> if they thought it would be, they find out soon enough, soon enough that it's not. <laughs> and, the, and the last thing I, I would point out is just like authenticity and following your own path is really important. Again, you know, people think that maybe they can dupl duplicate the efforts that they've seen elsewhere. And it's simply, you know, you got to stay true to where you are and do what works for you. It may look nice on, on that other side of the fence, but, um, you know, you got to work with what, what, you know, what you have and, and make it work for you. So just trying to take the easy way out and, and you know, implement something that you've seen or heard about, it, it can present a lot of challenges and setbacks. So it's important to really just um, follow your own path in this journey. Thank you for sharing those perspectives on the challenges when it comes to implementing uh, DEI. Um, going along, along that same line, um, for those who don't know where to start, uh, what is one action they can take today to promote DEI in their everyday life? You just want one action? I have so many. Okay, <laughs> let me try to combine them. All right. So... I would just say focus on educating yourself. I mean, ed education is key. You know, raising your awareness is key, and sharing that knowledge with others who who may not be aware. I would also say don't shy away from engaging in difficult conversations that may bring some discomfort. I think people are always afraid. You know that uncomfortable conversations can lead to you know conflict that can't be resolved, but you know, we can respectfully disagree or, or relate to someone that they may have said something or did something that offended us. Uh, the only way that we're going to prevent any transgressions from happening again in the future is if we address them in the moment, not sit with them and, and let them build up and, and potentially cause damage or harm to relationships that is irreversible. And I do want to just add one more thing that participation in committees, uh, organizations, or identifying ways to start your own committee or group that promote the change you want to see can be very significant. You can't be a bystander. You, you need to be an upstander. And, and don't be afraid to speak your truth and demonstrate the behaviors that you want to see, inclusive behaviors. And, and this can really influence change. Well, thank you for sharing your thoughts on how to proactively implement DEI into our lives. That's all the time we have today. We want to thank Erica Mosley for joining us today to discuss implementing diversity, equity, and inclusion initiatives in schools and colleges of pharmacy. If you haven't before, I encourage you to check out ASHP's student resources by visiting ashp.org slash pharmacy student. You'll find member exclusive offerings such as targeted materials on career transitions for students, information on residencies and research tools. Be sure to also check out the Pharmacy Student Forum community on ASHP Connect where you can exchange ideas with your peers. Thanks again for tuning in for this session of Student Perspectives. We hope you enjoyed today's conversation and be sure to subscribe to ASHP Podcast through your favorite podcast provider. Thank you for listening to ASHP Official, the voice of pharmacists advancing healthcare. Be sure to visit ashp.org forward slash podcast to discover more great episodes 
access show notes and download the episode transcript. If you loved the episode and want to hear more, be sure to subscribe, rate, or leave a review. Join us next time on ASHP Official.